Awesome. Well, Burns, yeah. we're, we All don't right. want to take too much of your time, so we'll get no. we'll get into it. Okay. I'm ready. I got my shin guards on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is gonna be fun. The individual says he really wants to do. I will say to him, "You do that, and uh, forget the money, uh, because if you say that getting the money is the most important thing." You will spend your life completely wasting your time. You'll be doing things you don't like doing in order to go on living, that is to go on doing things you don't like doing, which is stupid. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Okay, so wow. Today we have a very special guest to cap off guest month. He's a former professional player. He's the current head coach of the Oneonta men's soccer team, where Sean and I both played under him. Man, he's a proven winner, countless awards, countless conference titles, and holder of quite possibly the best accent of all time. So, an amazing conversation. Without further ado, let's hear it. Our talk with the former gaffer, Coach Ian Byrne. All right, so um, we'll start just with, um, I mean, Oneonta and the current status with COVID and the season. So where are you guys at right now, and where do you see, like, wh- what do you see in the future? Yeah, it's been a massive disappointment. We've, uh, we've lost the season. Uh, we actually knew a couple months ago um, the NCAA made a decision. So they actually took the, uh, the decision-making out of the individual colleges and conferences' hands. So... Um, it's kind of been put off until the spring. Um, this talk, we are going to do something in the spring, um, not through a national tournament, but through the conference. So time will tell with that, but it's been really difficult for the guys. Um, you know, you can imagine yourself senior year and you're being told, you know, there's no season. Um, but we've had no choice but to just accept it um, and move forward. So... You know, we'll see what, what, you know, what the future holds next season. Hopefully, you know, this COVID is going to be, you know, we're going to get this under control and uh, actually worldwide. And then we're going to get back, life's going to get back to normal and we can mm. uh, resume, uh, you know, these young guys can resume their college careers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really, I mean, especially for seniors, that's harsh. But I mean, for the grand scheme of things, it's just, it's just college soccer and, Hopefully everyone stays healthy, and that's the most important thing. Are uh, you guys allowed to train at all, or is that completely stopped too? So the plan coming back was that we were going to be allowed to train. Um, there was a uh, there were restrictions put put out where it was going to start in small groups, move to large groups, then move to contact. So you know there were there were you know um, parameters put in place for us but unfortunately you know our college individually spiked really high and the 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 chancellor made the decision to send all our students home so we've been shut down for the semester so we won't be doing anything you know as a team as a group even though a large number of our team are still in town um, living off campus Mm. some of the other colleges though they are training right now the ones that haven't sent their students home are doing some training Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, especially across the board because D3 seems to be not on the same plane as D1. But, you know, yes. we'll, 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 we'll end with COVID there because I'm sure we're all sick of COVID talk, right? 
let me let me take my mask off and answer that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, you know, walking around with a mask, you feel like a bank robber half the time. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. It's, you know, you run into the store and you, know, you got to run back to your car and get your mask. And yeah, it's a um, new normal. So for those of you who don't know, though, Burn said that he's wearing shin guards right now. So you have a mask on and shin guards on, Burn. That's right. Like I'm sitting here with them both. I took off the Hamzit suit, so I'm not, <laughs> it's not, not that hot. Yeah, it's perfect. We can hear you better without the hazmat yeah. suit. Yeah, that's right. I'll send I'm you glad your shins are protected. The best I've ever looked with that helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's, let's, let's rewind the clock here. Rewind the years. Uh, how about you give us a background on where you grew up? Where are you from? Okay, so I was born up near Liverpool in England. Um, my dad would be classified as a minor league soccer player. So he bounced around, you know, all the clubs in England for 15, 20 years. Um, some of the clubs you'd probably know would be um, Northampton, Peterborough, mm-hmm. Preston North End. Mm-hmm. Um, those, those type of clubs, they'd be, right now be considered in the championship in England. Uh, Barnsley. Um, so then what they would do, his, what his generation would do is as they get to the end of the, their career in the early, mid-30s, they would, a lot of them went to South Africa and would, you know, just play for a couple of years there. The standard was a bit lower. So we moved to South Africa when I was seven years old. We settled mm. in Durban, which is a really beautiful place. It's a coastal, coastal city, very similar to Fort Lauderdale. Okay, um, that, that type of place, very, you know, great climate. Is that, why you, is that why you go down to Fort Lauderdale for your va- that's, vacations? That's exactly it. You <laughs> get those, okay. There's no only on a winters in either of those cities. Oh, of course, um, of course. So anyhow, I grew up in, in, in Durban, South Africa, playing soccer. I came up through the ranks of the, the local professional club, Durban City. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Pretoria, played for Arcadia Shepherds for six years. And then at 24, I moved to America. I came over to the States. Um, at the time, there really wasn't a professional league. There was an indoor league, um, which I went and trained for a couple months uh, with one of the teams, it, I really didn't enjoy it. And then I ended up settling down in, you know, the Fort Lauderdale area, um, just coaching club soccer, um, working summer camps, things like that. And uh, got involved helping just some college players in the in the summer and the spring, playing on the club teams. And then started helping the local university down there. There was a college called Lynn University that had some South African coaches that came through my club or the same club I was at, and um, started helping bring players over. Got to meet a coach who took the job at Oneonta, and he called me up. He asked me to come up, you know, help him recruit, bring some, at the time, South African players over. So I ended up coming up to Oneonta for 20, 23 years ago, and I came for one year, and here I am. 23 years later, I'm still here. They can't get rid of me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's my background. That's yeah. amazing. So, I mean... Yeah. Growing up in, in South Africa, that's, you were in peak apartheid time, right? Correct. So, so what was that like to combine that with, with the football teams? Were you playing with only, with only white children growing up and then in the professional, or was it, did it change? So growing up all my life that I lived there, um, society was segregated. So mm. we lived completely separate to the minorities. Um, we didn't go to school with them. They didn't live in our communities, in our areas. They couldn't ride our buses, use our public toilets. I mean, when I think back of it now, it's just insane. And, you know, just being a young person, being born and raised there, that was what you knew. And, uh, you know, sport was actually 
a huge part of breaking down apartheid. And mm. soccer was the, because soccer was the sport of the minorities, of the blacks, um, that was the first sport in South Africa to be integrated. So wow. as I was coming up, the leagues amalgamated and joined, and we started having, you know, minority players playing on the white teams and white players going and playing on some of the minority teams. Um, and it was really crazy because, you know, I played for two majority white clubs and we would go into Soweto, which is a township, you know, where, my gosh, you know, six million um, minorities lived. And we would go in and play at a stadium with 50, 60,000 wow. all, all, all Africans in the stand. And, you know, there was, you know, 15 white soccer players and the other team were mainly, mainly black with a couple of white guys. And that was the league. So we would, we would go on road trips. We'd, you know, fly down to Cape Town and fly down to, um, you know, Durban and play games. And um, my first year, the African players on our team couldn't stay in our hotels. I mean, it's just mind-boggling to think about it. And then eventually, eventually that all changed and, you know, we would stay in the international hotels. But, yeah, really crazy. Um, so that helped really break down the apartheid, you know, and it, um, the sports in South Africa. And then I'd left by the time, you know, Nelson Mandela was let out of jail and the apartheid mm. crumbled and they have the society they have today. My brother's still over there. He still lives in Durban, my older brother. So um, I haven't been back for a long time, but obviously I talk to him regularly and he mm. still follows the soccer there. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. I, I actually, yeah. a lot of that I didn't know about. And it makes sense that football would be or soccer would be the way that it would begin to break it down. Uh, yeah, and, and of course, they hosted the World Cup in 2000 and was it 14? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I think it was 14. 2000, uh, 2010. 2010. 2010. 2010. 2010. That's right, mm -hmm. 2010. So it was, it was great. I was watching games on stadiums I used to play in. So, you know, they're obviously all been refurnished mm -hmm. and upgraded. But, yeah, it was really, really interesting, really good to see. So, so what was – so how yeah. would you describe, like, the level of – um, the South African Premier League and um, like what was it like to turn professional at age 18? Yeah, it was really, um, you know, it was exciting. It was something I dreamed of doing. I went to England when I finished high school. Um, I had trials at Coventry City, which okay. was in the, what would be called the, the premiership at the time. Um, you know, I was supposed to go for three weeks. I ended up staying two months. I did quite well. And then at the end, they didn't sign me. So I went back home, um, went to South Africa and signed with my local club. Um, you know, and then my first year I was breaking in. Um, it was the jump, as you know, you, you, yourselves, you went from high school to college and the jump is quite extreme. You know, you're going from playing with boys your own age and now you're playing against grown men. You know, and, mm -hmm. and so you, you, you're not, even though I grew up in the game with my dad, because my dad went from playing to managing and coaching. Um, so I was always in the locker room um, with, the, with the professional teams, but mm -hmm. it's just a different world, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, naive, you come in and then you're with these vet wily veterans and they know all the tricks of the trade. And, yeah. you know, in my day, the tackling was, the tackling was brutal. So oh, I bet, um, I bet. It, that was, it was a really tough I mean, you watch Messi play today and, I mean, he's never injured because you can't really kick him. Whereas back in, you go back 20, 30 years, the tackling was vicious and nasty. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I was a small, lightweight, probably a player similar to Dylan. Yeah, I was just, about, I was just about to say yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, I was that style of a player, a kind of a number attacking center mid and 
the tackling was off the charts. So, you know, that, that was a massive adjustment, but um, mm. it was really exciting. And, you know, you're flying on planes and games, staying in fancy hotels, and mm. you, you feel like you're somebody. Um, yeah. And then until that first tackle comes in, then you realize you're not. <laughs> I guess that I guess that makes sense why you have kept your shin guards on ever since. <laughs> That's right. Surround myself with big burly guys in the car. <laughs> so so Bern, you also I read that I, I didn't know this, but I think I saw maybe the picture in your office is that you played in like this celebratory match for the national team. Right. So at the time, South Africa were banned um, from any international competition. So every year, what they would do at the end of the year is they would select a national team and play a, you know, a, bring in a, a, some representative team from somewhere um, and play a, you know, an exhibition game. And it was really, really something, you know, you were given your national colors per se, mm-hmm. um, you know, you wore the national uniform and obviously it was packed, you know, there's 50, 60,000 people and the whole event, there was lots of patron team, you know, it was really, you, you really felt like you were representing your country, um, you know, and, so that was really something. And, uh, you know, I played in that twice, uh, two years running before I left the country. So, um, yeah, those are great memories. Um, That's awesome. Really great memories. Yeah. And just so, a pity, so, you know, just such a pity that we weren't allowed to play. I look at the teams now, they're playing in the African Nations Cup, you know, those, which is the equivalent to the Champions League in Africa. You know? and yeah, yeah. So, the international competition. Mm. it's good to see them playing now yeah absolutely yeah. so so when and why did you hang up the boots you know i had friends over here um and it's i really came to visit and initially i came over um you know in between at the end of the season spent a couple of months really liked it a lot um ended up staying it's it's really I really can't explain it. That just one thing led to the other, and was it the ladies? Probably. Um, <laughs> at the time, there was a small influence. <laughs> there was a little influence at the time. Uh, yeah, and then so you know, you 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 prolong it by a month, and that becomes two months, and then it becomes I'm going to do this for a year, and then before yeah. you know it, um, I ended up staying, and then that was it. Um, right. I got I got working. You know, got got working in this soccer organization. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. You know, got into coaching. I really enjoyed that. It was just something my whole family have always done. Been in coaching, um, and I really liked that piece. So, I um, got tired of getting kicked, and it was nice being in charge. <laughs> yeah. Now, do I you morphed, in, morphed into coaching, and uh, yeah. just ended up staying over here and haven't looked back really. Oh, nice. Well, I mean, have you? after these years have passed, have you regretted kind of hanging? Cause you hung up the boots when you were 25, was it? You said yeah, 26? 20, 25, 25. I um, mean, Sean and I are both 26 now. So I'm, I'm 25. Just, so. You're 25. Sorry. Right. All right, I'm the old one here. So <laughs> just wondering, like, do you regret at all trans, you know, transitioning into coaching at 26 or do you feel like you made the right decision? So what I did is on my way over here, I went back to England Mm-hmm. And I had also at 24, 25, I had trials at Hibernian in Scotland and then down at Queen's Park Rangers in oh, London, wow. um, who were at that time, they were premiership clubs. Mm. Um, and it was the same thing again. You know, it was a one week trial that turned into a month. Um, I remember playing in a reserve game um, up at Aston Villa and I'd, I'd done well going into that game. 
And that day I played against a six foot five giant. I actually played center forward in the game. And um, I mean, I think I still, I still had his stud marks down the back of my thighs. Um, <laughs> in my quads. And at the end of that game, they, they let me know they weren't going to keep me. You know, it was a different game there in England. The pitches weren't what they are now. You mm. know, there were, a lot of, there were a lot of, the pitches were, they were cut up, they were muddy, they were wet, they were heavy. And it really was a physical long ball game. You know, mm -hmm. so I was playing off a big centre forward and, you know, the teams, everybody would play back to front. There was no build through midfield, which was I really see. my style of play. Mm -hmm. you know, and as you know, as you guys played for me, that's how mm -hmm. we've always played. Absolutely. Get the ball down and pass it. And, and if you watch the Premier League now, that's how every team plays. But back in, in the mid-80s... No one um, was. No, it was none of that. It was just get it forward. The big target man would wrestle the centre half and then you'd play off the knockdowns and the flick-ons. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, I just physically couldn't do it. So from there, I came here, and that was how I ended up staying. So, gotcha. do you, you know, do you feel like your style of play would be more adaptable to present, you know, football? Yeah, I think I would have had, you know, a far better chance now. I mean, you look at these David Silvers yeah. and Coutinho's. Now, I'm not saying I was anywhere near that level, but that style of player now is, you know, you look at England and. You know, Mo Salah and Firmino and, you know, they just signed Coutinho. You know, I mean, he's, he's our size, Dylan, you know. Um, yeah, maybe small sure. Guys, so <laughs> possibly. Um, but that, so that type of, that build of a player now, you know, in the Premier League is prevalent. I mean, every mm. team has him. Every team's playing that style of football. Yeah. You know, I like that Harry Winks at Tottenham. He gets on yeah. the, you know, the Fabregas, those style of players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they succeeded. Whereas in my day, it was very, very difficult for that type of player to impose himself on the game. Even though right. they, you know, they, they were some of them around, but you just had to have a physicality to you and a nastiness to be able to survive. Mm -hmm. who's, the, who's the best player you ever played against? Uh, ooh, played against. Played against. You know, I always talk up Roy Wegerly. He came up through the club I was at, played against him a few times. Um, he was successful, played in England for 10 years. He played for the U.S. World Cup and two World Cups. Um, you know, he was, nev he, never, he, he was never at the Arsenal-Liverpool level in, in, in England, but he played at Queen's Park Rangers and Luton and Chelsea. Chelsea weren't what they were, what they are now uh -huh, back in this yeah. day. You know, but... Um, you know, mid-table mid teams in the Premier League, but he played there for a long time. And, I mean, when you played against him, you realized how good he was. Right. And, um, uh, yeah, we, got was, a, he, we have his stats up right now. He played at QPR and scored 29 goals over 65 yeah. appearances. So That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, he could – and he was, he was, he was athletic. He could he was, the turn of pace. He could pick it up and drop the shoulder and go by two, three guys. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know – you know yourself, you watch players on TV and they're good, but when, when you actually get out there on the field with them, that's when you realize how good they really are. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. That's exactly how I felt in that, yeah. um, in that Bayern Leverkusen get, game, Burn. Right. Because I didn't play the first 45, so just watching right. it from the sidelines, yeah. I was thinking, oh, you know, I could do this if I was out there. And then you get out there and you're, you start huffing and puffing. You're like, God damn, these guys are good. <laughs> You just can't believe it, how quick they are and, you know, the first touch and the speed of play and the vision. So Just the yeah. consistency of all of those yeah. things together, too. Like, they're doing it at 99%, you know, yep. pass ratings and stuff. It's just crazy. And then you get someone like Lionel Messi. He makes some of these defenders look as if they, you know, Sunday league players, doesn't he? 
Yeah. I mean, it's just how good must he be when you see him up close? Yeah, he makes, him, he makes him look like some CCNY defenders. <laughs> Doesn't he? He sure does. He goes past two, three a time. It's just mind-numbing to watch him. But, yeah, he just glides yeah. past him. So then we can, uh, I guess, from there, it's a good transition to get in right into the coaching. So, you know, you jumped in coaching pretty early. Um, and maybe we'll start off. So when you're, when you're recruiting players, you know, you said you were bringing in players from South Africa. What are you looking for in a player? You know, really what you're looking for is somebody that is hopefully better than what you have on your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody that has traits that, you like as a coach so for me it's always a player that's good on the ball um, and then you know more and more in today's game it's it's become such an athletic fast game so you really need you you know the the day of the slow outside backs or fullbacks those days are over you know the oh, modern fullback yeah. is the biggest athlete on the team you know when i played you would always take the slowest guy and put them at right and left back and they could get away with it but those <laughs> days those days are long gone so you know, today's game is really so mobile and so athletic. So these players that you're looking for, you know, they have to have that part to their game. You know, do they have, are they, do they have a turn of pace and are they athletic? And then, you know, you're looking for the ability on the ball, you know, can they play quickly? Um, and then how's their vision? How's their decision-making speed of play? Um, and then, you know, are they competitive? You know, do they, is there a good enthusiasm in them? Is there a com- competitive nature in in them is there a winning mentality um those kind of intangibles that can be hard to identify when you're watching somebody um you know i talked you know to sean vinberg about it when i first watched him play and i'm like you know sean when i scouted you mm-hmm. you know somebody said to me no he, he, he he's not quick enough and then i remember your visit sean and i said to you specifically you know people say to you you don't look quick enough but i actually think you're very quick because it's just you got an even running style and that's what yeah. proved, proved to be you're quick you know yeah. but the perception of somebody was he's too slow yeah. whereas in effect you're you're, you're one of the quickest players we had yeah. um, so that actually proves to, that proves to be true this day <laughs> like I, you're not the first person last person to say that and I, I don't know what it is. I think it is just my running style. But then it's just usually there's one play, you know, where I'll recover as like a, as a center back or something, and then their perception changes. Yeah. So it's when you're scouting and recruiting players, it's uh, it's not straightforward. You know, you have mm-hmm. to you have to you know certain way up certain things. And again, if you go and watch a player in a game where they're winning six nil. He can look fantastic, mm-hmm. but now when he can't, when he's playing in a game against a really good a good team that's maybe aggressive, maybe he doesn't have any impact in that game, and then you're questioning why. You know, does he lack a competitiveness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so as you guys know, as you're playing at the level you're at, every day in training is it can be a war. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, you're competing every day, and you know, really competing, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, your teammate can be, you know, out to put one over on you and trying to intimidate you in training and practice because mm-hmm. in his mind, he's competing with you for that position. So mm-hmm. you don't really get a lot of that in youth soccer, even in good club youth soccer, but you certainly get it the higher up the level you go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And to kind of come into like, I mean, your your training styles, they definitely reflect that because uh, I'd say you were the coach th- the most that I've played like in training if that makes sense so the most times that we played 11 v 11 and such and do you feel like 
those battles can really help you see um, like who's going to stand out when you get into the, you know, into the tough right. conference games and who you can trust. Yeah. It, you know, it does, but you, you never know till those game, hard games come around. It's you true. really don't um, because the, the pressure in the training session, yeah, you're fighting to win a spot. It's always different to when you're out there and your, your teammates are counting on you and the, you know, the, that, 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 the competitiveness just rackets up a little bit, but um, you know, I I've always trained my teams that way. Um, you know, lots of seven v seven, eight v eight. In we do a little bit more full sided games in college, just because you play so many games and you you know you get so many injuries and it helps you just look at something going into the next game. You know, let's say mm-hmm. your starting centre back gets hurt. You know, you need to look at something. That, couple of days before your next game who who's the best fit to go in there yeah so you know that's why we kind of do we did quite a bit of it um and you're playing you know again you're playing all those so many games midweek weekends um but i'm a big fan of training as you play yeah i'm a big fan of that and uh you know i think i think that's the most productive part for me it's proven you know, I feel, I, I feel like we've been successful because of that training style. Yeah, I yeah. think for fitness too, just because like you can't, I mean, you can run all you want. And we did run at times, you know, we had, yeah. but we had Ryan very, Palmer, fitness extraordinaire. But it was like, just very minimal. The fitness it. that we got was from, I mean, from playing, playing 11, 11, 11, 11 is I mean, the best. It's, it's the best fitness you can get. Exactly. Without a doubt. Every year when we do the review at the end of the year and the players give their comments, the, the comments are always, we need to do more fitness because they don't see that, they're getting fitness out of the playing yeah. in their mind. If we're not doing fitness running, yeah. we're not, we're not fit. Meanwhile, yeah. it's not true, but so that's the perception that you have to overcome as a coach. So that was one of the reasons I went that route with Ryan and kind of gave Ryan that autonomy to, and so in the players' minds now, yeah, we, we are fit because we're doing fitness training, but I'm not convinced that you get as you know, fitness out of those. I mean, yeah, sure, it helps you, but the, mm. I, I think the true soccer fitness is playing. They're playing, yeah. Playing. I mean, totally part part of fitness is not it's not the yeah. ability to continue to run. It's being able to be tired and make good decisions and recover as well. Exactly. You know, recover, yeah. Hard. I read in um in a in a Pep Guardiola biography when he came to. I don't know if you ever read it, Burn, but he when he came to Germany, he noticed that all the German players wanted to run hills, run hills after training yep. every time. And it was like peculiar to him. And he said it was, it was very interesting because they would play these sessions and they, like you said, they, the players wouldn't realize how much fitness they're getting out of these soccer specific sessions. And then they would go want to run hills. Yep. It's amazing. And it, it's, it still hasn't changed today. I mean, I, I could show you the, you know, the players feedback, you know, you do those end of year surveys, if yeah. you remember them. And mm-hmm. the, the feedback today is, hasn't changed, you know, Coach doesn't believe in the players and we don't do fitness. <laughs> Coach doesn't believe in the players and we don't do fitness. Coach doesn't believe in us. Coach doesn't believe in us. Show I mean, us that's, more, that's, confidence in us. that's something that I would like to touch on because it's just so hard as a coach. I mean, how many people are on a roster at Oneonta? 20? Yeah. 20. Anywhere from 25 to 30, right? They 25 to 30. Number. So, I yeah. mean, you want to you wanna win, obviously, and you, but you want to give players chances. So how difficult is that for you to kind of balance that relationship between the two? The hardest piece, because, mm. you know, you, like I like to see players develop and we've always brought through young players and developed young, you know, groups of young players. And you can only do so much in training. Yeah. Uh, they, need, they need 
get matches. They need games where there's yeah. you know they're 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 on the you know they're on the hook for to put in a performance, mm-hmm. and um, you know. But then you know, as you know, uh, you know those that experienced team you guys were on in fourteen fifteen. You guys were all about winning games. You you weren't interested in me developing your replacement for the following years when you were gone. You were just yeah. concerned. I just want to win today. So, and and as a coach, I my first obligation is to the seniors to give you the most successful season we can. So mm-hmm. it's a fine line in there. And uh, if if you get it wrong as a coach, oh boy, that can really upset uh, you know the players' confidence in you. Yeah, um, yeah, I totally agree. You can, it's, it's, but you, you've got to, you've got to play them. I mean, you guys probably remember that I comment, I think it was 14 when um, we had an injury in the back and we threw freshman Kevin Hoff in at center back. Yeah, and, uh, and I had guys coming to me, what are we doing? You know, why are we doing this? He's a freshman, you know, we've got a good team and mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, you just got to trust us and you got to believe me and, you know, and he's, he needs a few games to get up to speed and settle in. And, you know, Kevin was mentally strong. He was a, yeah, he was a winner and a leader. Mm-hmm. And we went to the final four with him. You know, he played the last 15 games of the season. And, yeah, it's true. Um, hey, he miscontrolled the one in the final four game, but we'll give him a pass on that. I don't even remember yeah. that, to be honest. Remember remember that, it's, it's funny that you remember that very I remember. He took the ball off his thigh and he had yeah, he steel gonna, thighs. He, yeah, he was going to clear it first time back and he was in – he was in between. He was undecided. And the last minute, he took it down. It was a heavy touch. Yeah. And, um, yeah. They broke Pell came yeah. out, but didn't come out totally. Oh, that's the, yeah. See, that's the thing. I blame. I We just always fault to blaming Pell because it's funnier. <laughs> At half time, so I always we will just say, Pell, why did you come off your line there? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, so developing young players, um, I, I, I enjoy it. It's one of the most enjoyable pieces Mm. of the job for me but it's definitely there's definitely a it's a balancing act and if you get it wrong you can do a lot of damage to the you know to the 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 makeup of the group so very difficult very difficult for a coach and then also to 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 come back into recruiting I mean I don't know if I think we touched on this a lot of times burn back in the day when I started to play more and have success was that you had you had many doubts about me joining Oneonta do you remember I remember it clearly I mean I can remember (laughs) remember watching you down in November. It was the Thanksgiving PDA uh, showcase. Okay. Uh-huh. And you were playing you were playing wide left that day on one of those fields. I mean, I don't think it was, oh my God, it was one of the worst fields I can imagine. It was cold and windy. And I had Jeff with me. I think I've told you this story many times. And I took Jeff to come and watch you because I was going back and forward because, you know, your ability was off the charts, but you were, you were built like me. You know, you, were, <laughs> you hadn't grown into your body. And I'm standing and I'm, Jeff, what do you think? He's like, Ian, there's no way he can play for us. It's just the ability, yeah, but he's just that physically can't do it. And um, we're driving home in the car because I think we went from there down to another showcase at Fort Dix and then we're driving home the Sunday night. And I was kind of in a way infatuated about you just because I saw so much of myself as a player in you. And, mm. um, you know, we're going over players and we're juggling names and I go, Jeff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for him. I'm going to bring him in. And he goes, yeah. I said, look, at, at worst, at least I'll enjoy watching him in training every day. <laughs> and, <that> was, <laughs> and I think I said to you at the time, um, look, I want you to come, but I'm not convinced. Yeah, and, and you were like, yeah, you watched us play one game and I think we won 4-5-0. I remember, you, I remember talking to you after the game. I can't remember who it was. And you had a big smile on your face, the way we played. And you're like, no, I'd fit in here. I want to come. And, 
Um, do you remember that? You may have stayed over that night. I did. Yeah, I remember that. Happened? I think it was. I think it was like the first round of the tournament. Okay. It, it was okay. a home game. I remember I stayed over. Um, yeah. I, I do remember vividly telling you telling me that yeah. you were excited about me as a player, but you weren't sure how yeah. I would adapt physically. As I think is like the exact words. Yeah. And you, you reached out. You reached out to my my club coach, if you remember, to uh, Graham, Graham Brown. Was, Graham Brown. Yeah, I remember talking to Graham. Yeah. Um, I usually don't do a lot of that, um, calling for references, just because they can be so inconsistent. But I remember mm. talking to everybody about you. Um, and then I remember the, the, your first season, our opening game was down at Franklin Marshall, and we were struggling first half, and I threw you in the middle of midfield second half. Do you remember that? I do remember that, yeah. Like Away game, second yeah. Half. Yeah, and even um, Blackwell's dad. Remember Colin Blackwell, the goalie? I think yeah. he was your roommate. Yeah, he was my roommate year. for the first half of yeah, uh, freshman year, yeah. Yeah, and his dad came up. His dad was a coach. Um, in England, right? He was like, wow. He's, uh, he said how well you did. You know, I remember that in the hotel afterwards. And then we, um, we went and played Messiah away yeah. the next day. Crazy. Next day. Yeah. My gosh, I, th- I remember Vindberg played, uh, I think, was that your first start, Vindberg? We had two freshmen. Yeah, because yeah, I came off the bench in Franklin and Marshall because Darren got hurt. That's and right. And then, yeah, the first start was against Messiah. You had a game. I, and I, had, I, had a, I had a day that day. Remember that outside the winger, you had him shut down. I remember every time you tried yeah. to go past you, you put your two hands in his face. Do you remember that? You put them yeah, up in his yeah. chest. That was and, like um, they just kept giving him the ball and he never beat yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> not, not once. And um, that, was a, uh, that was a real – and the day before they played, I think it was the Atlanta Bible School and beat them 16-0. Do you remember? And we went, oh, oh, yeah, we are. I'm going to against Franklin and Marshall. Do you remember that? 16-0, yeah. And, uh, yeah. We, ended, we, ended up, we ended up getting a draw against them and uh, that was the beginning of – it was a good season for us. That, yeah. And that was like one of the only – I think that was one of the only scratches that they had on their – yeah, resume. Yeah. Two years without losing a game. And we played them the next year at home and drew us with them as well, I think. That was a yeah. great, that was the Addy game. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was a the Addy game. Yeah, got kicked That's in the right. face. Man, two that two was half time. And end to end, that game was crazy. So, yep. So those, over those two years, they won two national championships, never mm-hmm. lost a game, and we drew with them both games, home and away. So, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I think I that was really good for our confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, yeah, I think definitely the you guys, all the freshmen playing in that game down there the year before, that really was a big accomplishment for all you guys. And I think Van Brunt played the whole game that day. Van yeah. Brunt played um, the whole yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, I think after that, he kind of just played the whole four years. Yeah, yeah. Could have been. Actually, I have a very funny story about that game freshman year against Messiah. So – I'm just Don't totally... tell me you guys were drunk the night before in the hotel. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was just uh, totally ignorant to ever, like, just who Messiah was. Like, I remember a few of the seniors saying they were a very good school, but I remember walking out of the locker room and going on the pitch and then seeing that they won, like, 15 national championships in the past right. 20 years. Like, oh, right. And I was like, all right, well, they seem like they're probably a pretty good team. But then, you know, play the game. You could obviously see their, their quality. And uh, the game ends, 90 minutes, and it's 0-0. So, you know, I dap up the winger, like, good game. I thought the game was over. <laughs> then, we, then we go to the bench. Then we go to the bench. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's a 10-minute overtime. So I was like, oh, man, okay, like, I'm done. I'm exhausted. <laughs> like, this kid's been going at me all game. We play the next 10 minutes. Referee blows the whistle. I go up to the kid, like, finally, like, yeah, man, good game, good battle. And then I go back to the bench. And they say, yeah, we're, it's second half. I was like, can someone tell me the rules? <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? I had no yeah. idea. 
that really? you went into yeah. overtime and how it worked. It's just very funny. I was so, so clueless, but it was just so in the moment, like, whatever, right? I got 10 more minutes to play against this kid. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what an experience. But I can't remember how we ended up that. What year was that? 2012? That was 2012. 2012. Yeah, we went up to Plattsburgh and won the final that year. Yes. Yep. Yep. Quite right. And then we lost uh, Monk to, State home. Home. to Montclair State. State. Yeah. That was a great game too, wasn't it? They were good. Yeah. That was a yeah, great they game. Yeah, they were good. They had a few very good players. Yeah. I think, Sean, didn't your guy score the winning goal? Wasn't that the no. cross to the so, yeah, it, <laughs> Wasn't it? It, it, it was, was back post. It was back post, but at the same time, Volpe, Volpe was marking him, and then he just That's got, right. got yeah. caught ball watching Easy. and was at the top of the box. Easy to blame That's on it. Volpe. No. Let's, let's blame Volpe. You know yeah, what let's blame Volpe. Volpe. He's not here. Let's blame yeah. Colin. And yeah. I remember that game. That I think that, was that. The, I think that was the equalizer, wasn't that it? That was the we equalizer. With, it was like 80, yeah, we 88th with, minute equalizer. Yeah, we're winning with a couple minutes to go. Yeah. Wow, and right before break. that, right before that, we had a very good chance to make a two nil lead. And I, don't, I, was, I forget who missed. I was it. suspended. I wasn't in this game. Honestly, I think it, it might have been Ducky missed it. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Just joking, Ducky. <laughs> <if you're listening. laughs> You remember Ducky the first season, he couldn't miss, and then the second year, nothing would go in. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember, I remember the mas- at the at Messiah he had a like chance. a chance. But I mean, chance. he's a lights out oh, finisher. What a too, chance! So it was that just was one of those periods. Yeah, yeah. But the first year, he couldn't miss. I mean, guys were coming up. Look, you got to put him in the starting lineup because I think he was coming off the bench, and he was coming off and slotting them home. And it was uh, we had I think we had Eric and I can't remember who else, but. Was that the year before? That was the year before you guys, I think. That was the year yeah, before because Ducky before. was a senior our year. Okay, so your year, just nothing was going his way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think it was tough. I think for a lot of the guys, it was like a year yeah. after the Final Four. It's a completely new team, and so they were just kind of <laughs> trying to find their way. But we – I mean, we definitely had talent. Even our sophomore year, we lost very early in the tournament against Oberlin, right? Yeah. But we yeah, were like – Remember, she we batted them, didn't oh, we? I thought terrible, that yeah. that game and that starting lineup and, like, how we played, uh, I just felt Winnie like was we, yeah. we could have made a very deep run had we had come uh, out of that game. I mean, the shots you know, were, like, 20 to 2. And we yeah. lost 2 nothing. Yeah, the, the first half was 13 to 1 in shots. I don't remember their shot. It must have been the kickoff from the halfway line. But, I mean, we yeah. just – I'll, I'll never forget talking to the Albany coach, Trevor, after the game, and he's – he just came to Euro Arts. I can't believe it. He said there was 10 minutes when the game was even. The other 80, you guys just destroyed them. That's and the then, game. Uh, That's how crazy yeah. it can be. It's like the one sport where you can uh, be totally sure, outplayed just, and still win. Uh, that was a tough bus ride home. Um, it was. We've so, never had luck on that field either. I've never, we've never Rochester? Had much, yeah, we've never had much go for us up there. Mm. So not to not to stick on some of the you know the bad memories, but what would you say was like the hardest loss? Because I mean, we had two Final Four. You've had three. There's been some conference final losses. So what would you say was like the hardest one to take? It's got to be one of those two semifinals. Mm. It felt like the Wheaton one because it felt like I mean they were unbelievably good, but it felt like by the second half we'd weathered the storm. We score the goal with the winning, you know, the go-ahead goal yeah. with, what, five, six minutes to go. He's already given them a penalty, which was a diabolical decision. He, did, he, he gives the goal. Away. Then he takes the goal away. Then he gives them a free kick in overtime. It's not a free kick. Then he, he lets the goal stand, which is a foul on uh, whoever the guy pushed. It was an own goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I mean, Jake. you know, 
I've had so many coaches talk to me about that game, coaches that were watching the game and they're like, I, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. You know, you feel like you got hosed. Yeah. But, um, that, that Corey goal, it just doesn't uh, sit right still. I mean, you know, the next year, it was probably the two better teams in our semi. Well, that even that year, Wheaton, it felt like those were the two best teams. Um, and then the next year, felt like us and Amherst were probably the two better teams again. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's just us being overly confident. I don't know. Yeah, but still. Um, I mean, that one was tough to take picks. because it's just the brand that they play. They just like to yeah. play, you know, yeah. head ups and we, two forwards and... And it was our second go. We kind of felt like we'd earned it. You know, this is our second go. We deserve this now. And tough to lose in this penalty shootout. Um, Still think about it. <laughs> never, we'll never let them go. We'll, nah. They'll stay with us forever. You know, yeah. and it was the end of the run for your group. So that was a huge loss. Yeah. It's kind of back to the drawing board after that year a little bit. Um, for sure. I mean, our, our freshman class coming in with Luke and Jason, we had like 18 or 17 new guys. You know, I look at that all the time. It was 12 freshmen and seven transfers. Yeah. Sorry, wow. sorry, 12 freshmen, five transfers, 17 yeah. players. Crazy. Because um, I've never had a number like that. You know, usually we're somewhere between six and 10. Um, but we had, you know, a lot of you guys came because you, we were recruiting you during the 2011 Final Four run. That's so exactly you were watching why. us a yeah. team and you're like, hey, I want a part of this. And <laughs> Let me get sure list. enough, sure enough, we did. You had two runs at it. So mm. that was a great. It was a, you guys had a great four years. I mean, oh, three championships, two final fours. That's uh, and what, there was some some players in that group. Yeah, some players. What a team! So, Burn, we'll 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 um skip some like the, the rest of the failures and let's go, <laughs> let's go to some bragging and some boasting. I mean, you've had a decorated career at Oneonta, especially you know after a transition from D one to D three. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't even know the the stats, but you've had three Final Four appearances. How many conference uh, tournament wins? We've, we've had six. Uh, tournament, we've won six conferences. Six conferences, so, yeah. Yeah, six, won six of them. Um, so, won six. I mean, I bet the the amount of all-conference players is just, like, uncountable. Yeah, yeah, we've had a lot for sure. So, what, mm. so, so what are some of the things that you put that level of su- success down to? Uh, I mean, 90% of it is uh, quality players. And then I think just a great environment, you know, and you guys have been through it, but I think mm-hmm. it's a, we've always had a culture where the players really, really enjoy each other. And there's been a, there's a great locker room. And to this day, we have it. I mean, the group we have now is, you know, it's a similar, we, we've managed to just keep that going, you know, quality players coming in and they really enjoy being here and they enjoy each other and you've got mm-hmm. that team spirit and then you're fighting together. And um, I think the combination of that, and I think Onion is a great experience, right? I and mean, it's a great place to come and be a soccer player. Yeah, um, you don't have football. You don't have, um, you know, ice hockey. You know, you don't have these other premier sports where you're basically a secondary athlete. You know, right. we're right there. And, I mean, you guys know what, what is 65% female student population. I mean, that's got to be attractive to you guys and be part of a good experience. Surely, um, surely isn't a bad we, thing. We, we never say that out too loud. You've got to be careful. But, um, you know, it's a beautiful campus, a great environment. And, mm. you know, going to college, part of it is a fun experience. So I think yeah. you're getting all of that, you know, with, along with the, the good academics here. You're getting it all. And the soccer facility is, you know, we treat the guys well. It's a great facility and a great setup. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you put totally all that agree. together and, you know, you've got the makings of a successful program. Yeah, sure. Now, we, you touched on it before how, you know, in the professional game, training is just cutthroat. And, you know, people are, are really fighting for each other's positions. But I feel like at Oneonta, all four years we were there, we had that. And, you know, we probably could have fielded two teams that would have succeeded quite well. Now, do you think that that environment um, you create or it's partially from just bringing in players that, with that competitiveness and drive? I think a combination. Or a combination of right? I think it starts with the coaching staff and me getting a couple of assistants that are on board with me. And as you know, Jeff Moore, John Hayen, um, Ryan Palmer, I mean, the guys that you had. Justin you know, Rivera. J-Rev. <laughs> J-Rev, of course. Uh, that's it. Coach Santangelo, you know, Corey uh-huh, did it yeah. with us for a year. You know, you get hoping. guys that fit, yep, fit your personality, right? Mm-hmm. When he asked, he was brilliant. When we had Alex that year, mm-hmm. um, they just fit your personality, um, how you like an environment to be, which is competitive, but also enjoyable and somewhat laid back. You know, yeah. you're not, when the coach is around, you're not on your toes. You're not walking on eggshells, which as a player, I played for some of those type of guys and I never enjoyed that environment. So mm-hmm. I never want, I've never wanted that environment for our guys. I want it to be a great, fun, relaxed environment. But hey guys, when you cross the white line, this is a high level competition. And so once you get it going and you know, I get lots of players tell me I'm too hands-off as a coach. They, they, they want a more aggressive, in-your-face type of coach. Now, it's, it's not my personality, but I can play that role if I have to. And in, in certain instances, I do if mm-hmm. it's required. But once you've got it rolling and you've got the right, right culture and the right players, you can take your – you guys know we had the leadership in your group, the Ben Brunts and, you know, and the Kevin Hoffs. These guys are running the program. You know, and they're mm-hmm. keeping everybody else in line and keeping it on track. And we've had it now with Dan Yost and Tristan Battistoni and Scott Sebo and Whitman. You know, the, these guys are continuing it to this day. So once you get it going and you look at Jurgen Klopp, what he's managed to do at Liverpool, and it starts with bringing in the right players, but it's rolling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mourinho had it for a while. And it, for Alec Ferguson certainly had a Manchester United. And Mourinho seems to have lost it a little bit, you know. He's it lost that aura. To, yeah. Not that aura. Um, so I think it starts with, I think everything starts with the coach and mm-hmm. the coach setting the right grounding and the right foundations and the tempo. And then it's getting the right people that fit. And then, you know, you have to have success. If you're winning, it can take away a lot of all the little problems you that every program has that kind of just simmer under the surface. You know, those they become meaningless because you're successful and the, the group as a whole are loving it and enjoying it and are succeeding and yeah, and, you know, yeah. you're moving Absolutely. forward. I mean, I remember we had some, some you know, little internal fights, guys just right. getting into some things. But at the end of the right. day, once you win that game the next day, like, you know, the guys are having a beer together, you know? So yep. it's just like, it's that culture where, um, yeah, I think it's because it's so competitive that, you know, guys can be a little cutthroat and there can be some things said, but at the end of the day, when you're winning and you're involved in that team atmosphere, I think it just, you know, it just disappears. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, because it answers all the questions, you know, and the, you know, because look, I know I played and I was probably the, the first guy critiquing everything the coaches I played for did, right? Like he doesn't know what he's doing, he's picking the wrong team, he should be doing this. So every locker room on every team, wherever you go, 
the players are critiquing the coach and the, mm-hmm. the coach's decision-making. It's the same here. It's no different. You know, um, some, of, some have stronger opinions than others. But, um, you know, I think, I think at the end, players do sit back and look at it and they are honest about it. And when it is a successful program and a great experience and they know the coach, coaches or coaching staff, they're good people and they, you know, they have our backs and they're trying to do the best for us. I think that's the grounding and the basis of mm. successful teams. You know? Right. I also feel like too with, with college soccer is once you get the group started in this mentality, you always have a large group with our, the exception of our class where we outnumber the upper, the upper class. Yeah. Group. That's you unusual, always have yeah. the group there. So when the new, the new players come in, if they don't want to be a part, part of this yeah. team and they don't act the way we want them to act, like they're out of the program. And, and, you know, I liked, you always mentioned when people would come and visit, it was always, you know, how is he? Not as a player, how is he as a person? And exactly. if we don't like him, then that was it. He wasn't coming. And I think exactly. that's, that's really important. And actually the team, the team I'm on now, that's a big thing as well. And like even just going on trial with, professional team it's always you know the players need to like you not just as a player but if you're not if they don't like you as a person all they have to do is we you know the team captain says to the coach no i don't like him and that's it you know you have no shot doesn't matter I've how always, well you uh, yep i've always believed you know the locker room doesn't belong to me you know the you'll get some coaches that dominate a locker room and for me the locker room has to control the team and the locker room is run by the you know, the alpha males, the leaders, the captains, the, you know, whoever those people may be. Um, and if you have that right in the locker room, it just cuts off 90% of any frustration or aggravation you're going to get in your team. And um, it starts with having the right people in there. And, you know, you know, you come in as a young player and, you know, you follow, you learn from the older players and you, you realize how it's done. You buy in. And then a couple of years down the line, you're that person that's leading the younger ones. Yeah. And it becomes a conveyor belt, doesn't it? The culture mm-hmm. just keeps going. Yeah. And you can, you can ruin it by bringing in a couple of the wrong types. So you, that's where recruitment is huge. You know, not huge, just the yeah. type of player, but mm-hmm. the right personalities. Now, now, Byrne, did you have any, you know, big influences as a coach? Was there anyone that you looked up to in their coaching style or philosophy or such? You know, I always loved Sir Alex Ferguson. Mm. Um, now, Even as a at, Liverpool guy, huh? Oh, uh, can you believe it? You know, well, I mean, that just means that you really liked him. Yeah, growing up as a player, you know, my era was, my era was Kenny Dalglish. So Liverpool yeah. were what you guys know Manchester United to be, you know, yeah. where every year you're winning. And he was just, he had a... I think the, the great thing about him is he managed, and this is something that I think about all the time now, as I'm aging and the players are getting younger because I'm getting older, right? Even though they stay in the same age. And you look at somebody like Alec Ferguson, he changed with the times, right? Because yeah. the, youth, the youth change all the time, the personalities, what they believe, how they are, how they act. You know, the people my age are always criticizing today's youth. Ah, oh, medal for everybody. Everyone gets a trophy. They're all spoiled. You can't criticize them they go you know um but he managed to adapt is probably the right word to the different the changing generations right and the changing game yeah you know Mm -hmm. he grew up in the old school game where everyone's throwing elbows and it's the fit to survive and then he managed he always played exciting attacking soccer united always played you know they're always good to watch in these teams Mm. wingers going forward and and he had changed with the times. He managed to adapt to younger players and they all looked up to him and liked him. And 
And uh, yeah, what a job he did for 25 years there. And at the biggest club, under pressure, every day, every week, under yeah. pressure. And he managed to do it. So I was a huge fan of his. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, him, I think him and Arsene Wenger were really the ones that could oh. adapt to the modern oh. game, like especially. Brilliant. And probably the culture of the players too. Are you are you adapting to the culture of, you know, the new college kids? Are you on TikTok and, and Instagram, Bern? <laughs> Social media is a huge problem for me. As you know, I don't even have video on this computer here. Um, <laughs> doesn't have a camera. Um, so the social media piece is it's a huge challenge for me. I do the, my best with it. But I still believe dealing with people, you know, I, I believe it's a strength of mine, you know, handling personalities, dealing with people. And I think that never changes. Mm-hmm. And I still laugh and joke and enjoy the younger guys and, you know, the banter hasn't changed. I still give them a hard time, make fun of them, we laugh and joke. And I think mm-hmm. they get comfortable around me pretty quickly. Um, and maybe, uh, who knows, but I think they enjoy playing for me and playing here. Now, I could be wrong, but I, you know, when that day comes, you just hope, you, know, you, you recognize that, hey, your, your time is gone. You know, it's mm-hmm. time to hang it up because this younger generation, uh, you know, you've lost touch with them. But I, I, I like to think... Uh, I'm still okay with it, but certainly social media is, it's now become such a big part of this job and I'm yeah. terrible at it. Yeah. Um, as well, you probably I mean, know, just, if you just what Twitter, kids put online is just like, uh, it's just got to infuriate you. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we talk about it all the time and, um, you know, they grow up with it. They don't know any different posting no. a picture of them with their shirt off and, you know, doing something silly, which in their mind, it's funny. It's, it's just a normal part of life and, you know, whereas the, the the judicial office on the campus don't see it that way. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's definitely a tough transition. Now, yeah. I mean, you've been at Oneonta for how long, Bern? I'm now here since 98. So what is that, 22, 23 years? Yeah. And did you ever have any ambitions to coach? I mean, you do coach professionally, but to coach at like a professional level in the in the U.S. or South Africa or anywhere? You know, it's funny you say that because there have been a couple of maybe half chances for mm-hmm. that. Um, I was never really worried about coaching Division One again because my first six years as here was an assistant in Division One. Yeah, six years and then two years as the head coach, Division One, and then we re- reclassified to Division Three. So it never really bothered me applying to go back to Division One. I. I actually. It, it never felt much different to me. Um, and I kind of got to enjoy, maybe because we were so competitive at Division Three, whereas in those Division One years when I was at Oneonta, we weren't really competitive, right, mm-hmm. at the high level. Um, so there were some, you know, kind of, there was some interest in possibly going and doing something somewhere else. But, yeah, I, I never really pursued it. To be, to be fair, you know, there was a couple of people that reached out to me, spoke to me, people I knew, you know, going and being an assistant at certain places, going and helping with scouting in certain places. No, um, no nothing, no names that you can indulge us with? Uh, yeah. We don't want to entrap you. You don't have to yeah. say names. <laughs> you know, when this MLS first started up, um, there was a, uh, for those first few years, there was some people I knew that had an interest in that, maybe me coming and being a part of it. But, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, you know, there's no job security number one in that. So you're like, okay, I'm going to go at some point, you're going to, 
you, the coaching staff's going to be gone and they're going to be replaced by somebody else. And then, yeah. you know, you never know how stable the league is going to be moving forward. And then, so my, my then was, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm now committing to a lifestyle where you're probably going to be bouncing around, you know, this job and that job. And, um, and then you end up, cause there's quite a few coaches that have gone into that and then they've bounced back to the college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the college is a more stable environment. Um, but, I probably was never would never have been qualified to go over to England and you know become Brendan Rodgers or something along those lines. I think that would have been just too difficult to do. I'm not sure I would have been qualified to do that. It certainly would be an, would have I'd be an interested in coaching Liverpool. No doubt about that. <laughs> no doubt about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so outside a couple little you know flutters of interest, no, I never really pursued anything. Mm. Well, I mean, it's a perfect transition because we do have some we have some questions from some former athletes and some former non-athletes, but people who know you. So um, we have one from the legendary Brian Bartacek. Oh, Bart. I still think Bart. of his dad when I go down to the Massive Peak Showcase. Every oh, year. nice. Yeah, Bart. I mean, Bart said to uh, to say hi and to... Uh, to wish you well. Hope everything's going well. And um, ask him how he's taking penalties these days. Does he improve on his penalty taking? It's the worst <laughs> one I've ever seen at Cortland. Do you remember it? <laughs> In fact, I got, I got, I got a funny Barth story. I don't know if you remember this, but this is so, this is so vivid in my memory. So we were, we were taking the vans down to the Hall of Fame, and uh, Bar was sitting shotgun with you, and you, you know, you pull up to the exit of the college, and you said, "Hey, Bart, how we doing?" Like, as in, check the right for me, the right side of the road. And Mark goes, yeah, coach, you know, we're doing well. And then you, you start to fall out and we almost get T-boned. I actually remember that story. So funny enough, I actually remember it. Um, oh, yeah. man. Bart, good so guy. Funny. Love, love Bart. Um, you know, he came, out, he came out and visited us. He came, in, yeah? he came and stayed in Hamburg. Did he? Did he? Yeah, I yeah. remember in the recruiting progress, uh, recruiting process down at Massapequa on that Burns Park. He scored a goal that night, a thirty-yarder, and um, I'm like, "Gee, I've got to get this guy. I could use a couple of those, three or four of those this season." Mm. Um, and he did great for us, you know. He yeah. did great. Probably, probably never achieved what he, what we all expected, but mm-hmm. still, he was a huge part of the team. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, his his question for you was to. Talk about how difficult or some of the challenges or some of the things that you noticed as you went from D1 to D3 in terms of uh, it could be recruiting or resources that the college was giving you or anything like that. You know, what's a funny part is that, you know, when we were Division One, um, we, you know, the previous coaches had you know, we had resources, we had soccer scholarships, right? We didn't have a, a lot of money. And I think one of the reasons the school made the decision to move down was to be competitive, we needed to fully fund the program, put more money into scholarships. And they were unsure about doing that. So I'm, I'm sure that was part of the reason. So the previous coaches were recruiting internationals with that money. Um, when I stepped into the job, the first thing I said was, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go ahead and get the best New York players I can find and give them that money because the mm-hmm. previous coaches weren't doing that. They were trying to get the best New York players for free and then put the money into international players. And it really wasn't a successful mm. strategy in my opinion. So we ended up getting, t- you know, Timmy Melia, as you know, was my first in my first recruiting class. You know, I got Timmy right. to come in with the goalie and we got Jonathan Garcia and Herbie and Dan Stevens from Syracuse. And, 
these guys all got a bit of money. Ryan Grady, you know, they got some, I put my scholarship money into those guys. Um, so I went full on just recruiting because we're a state school and it, it, it caters to New York recruits. I just started focusing on New York players because I believed in them. And I thought there was a lot of good quality players we were missing out on in New York. Mm-hmm. And so two years into that, um, you know, we actually did well with that young group. They were all sophomores and we got to the conference championship and we lost in the final. And that was our last game, Division One. You know, the school made the decision after that. And those young guys, we were building that young New York team. And um, it was exciting. So it was a bit of a, it was a bit disappointed when, you know, we did reclassify and drop down, and particularly for those guys. And as would be, we managed to place them all on and they all went on and did well at Division One, Division Two, those, those scholarship players. Um, but, so now I went from recruiting New York State players that were probably Division One level to now New York State players that were Division One level, but would rather come to Oneonta and compete for a national championship mm. and play and play earlier. Yeah, because yeah. you know, you know, you know yourself, Sean. You played with Division One players, yeah. um, and you, and you too, Dylan. You know, I mean, I remember that team you were on. You know, the other centre forward I think went to stack with you, and you know, different type of player to you, but. The, the difference between, let's just take uh, Anthony Passiatore, right? I mean, he could have played at any of the, as you two guys could, played at any of the Division One, SUNY Albany, Binghamton. But he came here, walked into a team, started as a freshman on a very, very good team mm-hmm. that went to two Final Fours. Yeah, now, yeah. if he would have gone to Albany, Binghamton, Stony Brook, and I'm not knocking those teams, he would never have done that. He wouldn't, you know, he would have probably sat on the bench for a year or two, mm-hmm. then broken into the team. And then he's just, you know, the highlight would be trying to win the conference once every four years, you know, or once every five years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So totally that agree. was really the challenge. Actually, I enjoyed it more because I was already invested in the state in New York, recruiting lots of Long Island, you know, Westchester, Rockton County, Poughkeepsie, upstate area players. And it was, I was just, Started, I just kept recruiting the same players I was recruiting when I was the Division One coach, to be fair. Um, and so it really wasn't that big of a challenge. And, uh, you know, once we started winning, it became easier because now I'm saying to you, as you guys know, hey, look, you know, we're a Final Four team. You want to come and go to a Final Four? And you guys, were, when you were here, you would go up to Hartwick across the street who were Division One, and watch a game and there'd be 50 people. And then you'd come on Saturday and we'd have a 1,000. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. They're all over here watching us, going, "How do you guys get these kind of crowds?" And uh, hey, win. guess why? People want to follow a winning team. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Exactly right. So once we got it going and being and winning, it actually it it, it wasn't challenging at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it really wasn't, and yeah. and it was more enjoyable. Um, it's funny. So, it's funny you mentioned how you even in Division One you started looking for you know local New York players. Because it's not always the case that, you know, an international player is going to be better than what you have right in front of you. I know, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we had an international player come in <laughs> from Germany, uh, actually, actually, as funny yeah. as it is. And, uh, you know, I think... He was, in, he was in shock how good we were because he'd come from a Division Two or NAIA. I can't remember what it was. But, um, you know, you saw him in preseason, you know, he was... Yeah, he was not struggling, but he, you know, he, he just couldn't believe how good our players were. Um, yeah. And I think that was a testament to the quality, the level of play in New York. Um, and even now, my my first couple of teams that were Division One, those guys come back and watch, and they're like, 
Ian, we could never beat your guys, the teams mm. you've got now. We never had players like that, you know? So, which is, you know, players like you guys. So, yeah. No, but I think... The, um, we have to come back. I'm sorry. We have to come back <laughs> to this international player um, yeah. whose name was Silvio. I'm sure he's not listening to this, but shout out to him if he ever does. Now, we have to ask, and you, you, can, you can answer if you want or you don't have to, but... There were some rumors that he was the wrong German. Right, right. Wrong guy in the video. Yeah. Can we can we confirm or deny that? <laughs> you know, I don't know. That was Ryan Palmer's deal. Ryan was <laughs> in charge of that. And um, I don't think it was. I just think anybody puts together a highlight tape. Right, you can look you know, good in a highlight video. Okay, yeah, okay. And, and, you know, there was once or twice in, in preseason where he showed a you know, couple little flashes and... I just think he came in, he thought he was going to be the main guy on the team. And we thought he was, you know, convinced. <laughs> and then after, you know, a couple of days, you all of a sudden realized, you know, because he was at Bayern Munich Youth Academy growing up. You know, wow. He, know he's that. born and raised around the corner from the, the you know, Sabina Strauss or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just think he was in shock. And then all of a sudden his confidence was being challenged and then right. he lost mm-hmm. his confidence. And then, you know, if you're a player and use your confidence, Done. nothing goes right for you. And then yeah. he just kind of struggled. And it was funny, you know, when he, cause he left and then we were halfway through the season and then we had a home game and I had someone tap me on the shoulder and I turned around, it was Sylvia. And he was visiting. Do you remember that? He was over visiting. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. He was a very was nice kid. Year? Yeah, yeah. Very was nice it the guy. next year or that year? I can't remember. And he was visiting, I and I actually communicated him with a little bit after that. And um, I think he went to London and studied in London. And yeah, super nice boy. He just, I just think he thought it was going to be a bit of a cakewalk for him. And obviously, we, you know, we were fine with four teams, so that wasn't the case. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But as as for the video, I'm, I'm deferring that for Ryan. Fair Ryan enough. Tom. Fair yeah, enough. We'll have to ask him. It's just a very funny story. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because it's Palmer, even funnier. It started um, because I said that to Ryan in, in front of a couple of guys. I'm like, Ryan, are you sure this was him in the video? Okay, so that's how it started. Guys overheard it. And uh, I was just making a joke, you know, busting Ryan's chops as it that's was. That's funny. So um, another, another one. So Aunt, Aunt Restante actually visited with Bart. They were here with us, uh, you know, and he has Anthony, a question. Yeah. For yeah, Anthony. Yeah, man, great man, guy. Man, he's got a question for you too. And okay. uh, how adjusting to the states versus South South Africa was for soccer and culture, both of them. Like, how was how was the difference between both of them? Adjusting well, to life remember. in general, and then obviously the game. Life in general, um, I, I just found Americans in general louder. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's a, if that's an insult or being critical, but it would just people are just louder, more open, yeah. more outgoing. Uh-huh. You know, I grew up in a culture where, I mean, you wouldn't talk about yourself. You certainly wouldn't start telling groups of people, you know, any problems you were having. You just kept everything in, you know. And and maybe that's me individually as well. I'm very, I keep a lot of things in. I don't, I'm not somebody that can go and explain, you know, talk my problems over with people on the outside. Um, and, you know, growing up in the locker room, you know, it can be a dog-eat-dog world and you, you, you're taught, you know, I was born in the locker room. You're taught from the youngest age, never show weakness, you know, because mm-hmm. if guys sense a weakness, they'll pound into you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just that was my upbringing. And then coming over here, you know, I, from a lifestyle point of view, I loved it. It was outgoing. There was a high standard of living. Um, 
I, it, it really wasn't much different from what I grew up with, to be to be quite honest. Um, mm-hmm. But just just more outgoing. Obviously, twenty four hours, you know, TV. I mean, my upbringing there was TV was from six to ten, and there was two channels. So you come over here, and there's three MTV and VH1, and that's just twenty four <laughs> music. You know, you're like we had an hour of music videos a week in my my upbringing. So you know, all of that was everything I thought it would be. Um, when I first came in 85, I mean, the soccer fields were the old AstroTurf. Remember the old flat AstroTurf? Oh, yeah. And you wouldn't see soccer games unless you went into ethnic areas. Um, and, you know, I mean, there was high school soccer in 85, but, I mean, there was no soccer on TV. Um, I remember me and my three, four close buddies were all international guys. Um, you know, a couple lived in Atlanta. We were kind of spread out a little bit. We would get together once a year for the FA Cup final, and that game would be show would be the only game shown on TV all year. And we would meet in a place and make a weekend of it. You know, wow. Key West, or and that and that was the only game on TV. Um, you know, we used to I used to listen to the English games on the radio. My first three four years, we had the shortwave, and you listen to the game. And it, would, it was cutting in and out, and you know, as it would um, on the shortwave radio. So. And you look at it now, I mean, how many games a day are you can you get on stream and you know yeah. you can watch any peacock game. And, I mean, any it's, it's actually in America you have more access to games. Yeah. And if you live That's overseas, crazy. you're hundred percent right. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's just you can watch anything, you know. I yeah. mean so I think um, you know, the access to the game. I remember I played a game because I've got playing on an English team down in Palm Beach Kicks and we went and played a game and we had just a local guy was refereeing at the time. And I mean, he, he didn't know, he, he, he was just learning the rules. So <laughs> we were attacking the other team and, the, you know, there was a cross came in and it hit, we were attacking, hit one of our guys on the arm and they were handball, handball. He blew for a handball. He gave them a penalty down on the other end of the field in our box. <laughs> <laughs> so, we handled it in their box. He gave the other team a penalty down on the other end of the field. That's a, that's he, a, that's he a harsh decision from the ref. Penalty, you know? So harsh. that was, I'll never forget. I mean, we, laugh, we still laugh at that today, you know. So oh. you just, you know, high school soccer, everybody played stopper sweeper. The sweeper stood on the 18 and never moved, mm-hmm. you know, all this type of thing. And now, now you go watch high school games, the coach played. You know, the team are playing a back four and they're playing zone. You know, I mean, it's just... I mean, it's, oh, it's, it's nine day, yeah. light years difference. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you guys have noticed the difference just from when you started playing to today. Um, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And with the advent of, you know, the video and you can jump on the videos and watch coaching sessions. And, you know, I mean, so all these young coaches today have all been ex-players. Whereas when I first came over, it was all parents or, you know, the basketball coach would, you know, the worst basketball coach would be given the soccer job. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Run the pick and roll in midfield. Yeah, 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 and you know, so it's 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 a massive change, and mm. and just look at the MLS, look at the building soccer-specific stadiums. The crowds are now becoming European crowds. Yeah, and, even you know, I mean, even in the second and third tiers in the US, it's still it's really it's, growing. It's fantastic, it's just mm. as a as soccer junkies, which we are, it's just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Now we have one. We have one from not one of your um, players, but he was one of your students. Um, do you remember Tyler house. Krill? Ah, T Krill. T Krill, yeah. So T Krill wanted to uh, wish you the best. He said a long yeah. time no talk, and he misses your um, your coaching classes. Yeah, still going strong. Still, nice. uh, still the most popular class in the, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in, the in the academics, and uh, 
Has anyone crazy? beat you in? Has anyone beat you in Batman? You know, we don't have. We, you know, they cancelled all the activity classes. Uh, um, so remember, I used to teach a bit of badminton and racquetball yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, the school did away with the one credit activity classes. There's a couple left over, but most of those are gone. So. Um, yeah, I kind of I used to still play, but I haven't played for a couple of years. I haven't found a regular opponent. Um, but yeah, those are fun times. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Tyler, Tyler Crow wants to know um, how you were able to keep the squad, like our Oneonta squad, working so hard and hungry on the pitch, but then also allowed us to have that freedom and fun off the pitch and why that you think that's so important for the team's success. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, Part of it, I grew up in that environment, right, where, you know, you played, it was, you know, semi-professional, but you were allowed to enjoy yourself because that was mm. the culture of professional sports back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. So I grew up in that. So I, I learned firsthand the value of camaraderie, team spirit, letting your hair down, um, you know, when you socialize. And it, it's tricky in the college environment because, you know, most of the players are underage and the drinking policies and what have you. So that's a very, you're treading that fine line in the college yeah. environment, you know? Um, but I learned the value of being able to socialize and be able to have it out as you were, let's say you and I are having our issues in the, on the pitch in training. We don't get along as well. When you go out and socialize and you let your guard down, there's a, there's a, there's a dynamic that comes into play where, you say your piece face to face. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and it, it's not you don't confront each other and you get it out. And sometimes those confrontations can turn a little nasty, but you get it off your chest. And then somehow it's like a fight in high school. You know, the next day you two guys are best buddies from that point forward. <laughs> so kind of, you know how it's weird. Yeah, how it yeah, happens, yeah. Right? And, you know, I discuss it in the coaching class and we talk about the dynamic with the men in the locker room and the women and how the women don't have that ability to and, and it's generalizing to hash it out thrash it out you know get get it off your chest they they carry those grudges forever and it builds resentment and it's unhealthy for a team so i'm a big believer in that i want my guys to enjoy college um you want to try and find that balance between where are we ultra pro professional preparing for games you know managing our you know our partying or social experiences on campus and then when are the times when we can maybe let our hair down a little bit and enjoy ourselves and celebrate wins and, and i don't know i don't know how that is you, you're kind of trusting your leaders and captains to police it there's always going to be a small group that maybe Oh, well, certainly a small group that are going to cross the line, right? Mm, Overdo it. Yeah, yeah. Every year you're going to have that, that group. You're going to have a group that maybe are a little more reserved than they probably could be, or it takes them a couple of years to really, you know, relax and enjoy the group. And then you hope the majority kind of get the balance somewhat right. So somebody like Sean Vinberg that is a no drinking policy senior year because he's really he's an overachiever, right? Sean Vinberg's an overachiever because he's going to maximize every bit of talent he's got. You're damn Whereas right. <laughs> the guy like, you know, who is there that could have maybe also gone on and played? There's probably someone in the group that maybe, ah, wasn't that, I mean, it was important, but nah, he's going to enjoy himself and maybe not push himself physically, fitness-wise. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, there's, there's that guy too. I won't name who who I'm going to call out, but I think there's one, you know. there's one in every team or every youth team that growing yeah. up, you know, it's just someone that doesn't reach their full potential because yep. they're not an overachiever yep. like Sean here. 
Yep. And that player will usually blame the coach for it and blame other people for it. You know, they'll yeah. never take ownership. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, you know, part of it's down to that individual. You know, each individual's, it's down to each one to maximize themselves. I'll never forget, Sean, a quick story about you. I'll never forget. We're sitting in the office here, me and the assistants, and we're getting ready to go. I can't remember who we were playing. For some reason, I think it was a road game, a day road game. And you'd been in and out of the team. And oh, I know, you know, I know this. I know. Go ahead. I know who it is again. You were frustrating the hell out of me because there were some performances you were on. And even within a good performance, there'd be spells in the game where... Yeah. Uh, you, I was I'd very be, inconsistent. Oh, driving me crazy. And we're sitting in the room. I can't, what, was it Williams it was or something? Williams. Williams. Was it Williams? Was it? Ah, okay. And we're sitting in here and we're talking about the game. And I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm starting Sean Vindu today. Who are we starting at centimeter or left back, whatever it was. And we're throwing names around and... And Jeff was the big fan of yours. He's like, nah, just keep persevering with Vinda. Ah, he's driving me crazy. He's getting in my head. I can't sleep at night. You know, it's, I can't say he's not playing today. I mean, let's, let's go somewhere else. Next minute, there's a knock on the door. You're there. I'm not like, coming in. Coach, I just really think I should be in the lineup today. I'm ready to play. I'm like, you know, I can do it today. I can do it for you. I'm like, all right, I'll give it some thought. You walk out, go, okay, Vinberg's playing. <laughs> 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 you know, that's self-belief. And my God, senior year, I, I remember after that, uh, Am, was it Amherst game where you're final four you were the best player on the pitch and well, the Haverford, assistant comes out Haverford too he, Haverford. Ha- Haverford he was unplayable yeah that guy you were brilliant but at the final four too I think it was the assistant coach when the team came over and I go oh my god you're left back who was that guy you know and uh, you know you're somebody that for three years was a little up and down but yeah. senior year arguably the best player on the team you yeah. know agreed it's uh, okay I got off track there <laughs> no, no, it's, it's tell, a funny tell, story because I I, rem- I remember that I remember that yeah. game vividly. I just yeah. remember that yeah my I mean really my four years that was my biggest issue. You know that I think yeah. now I've pretty much got that under control. But it was the inconsistency. Yeah, and it wasn't even game to game. It would be in games. Like yeah. you know you have minutes of brilliance and then yeah. just bad decisions. Mm-hmm. What am I doing and. Uh, yeah, but I remember I remember that 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 talk very vividly. Because I, I was gonna I was me. frustrated with myself, but at the same time I felt I could help the team. But yeah. I was fr- because I knew that I can play well, but at the same time that I make these terrible mistakes. Mm, just right. bad decisions. And I remember like, you know what? No, I'm gonna go to the office. Like I'm playing today. Like I, <laughs> I know you I can help out, the team. I, I remember John and Jeff just looked at me. They didn't even say anything, they just looked at me, like, you know, put him in the team. Yeah, more, importantly, a, more, importantly, more importantly, how's Ty Krill's haircut these days? Didn't he have that shaved arrows in the side of his head? No, he's got he's actually got like a crazy mullet these days. It's oh, like, he's got the mullet. Actually, that's maybe he had the mullet. I can't remember. Yeah, he's, he's going retro. He's going retro. Is he's he? definitely going 80s. It's coming back into fashion, is it? Yeah, I mean, maybe he's making the fashion. I don't know. Shout yeah. out to Krill, though. Good guy too, cool. Good guy. We have um, we have a series of a little uh, funnier, I guess, questions from from who, Sean? From Brian Wagstaff. Wags, yeah. Wagsy. Wags. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll start off with this one. Would you rather lose to Plattsburgh in a national final or have Liverpool get relegated from the Prem? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. God. You know, the young kid's taken over up there now. Did, I don't know if you ever played against him, um, Chris Taylor. It may have been, he may have just finished before you guys mm-hmm. came in. 
Um, yeah, I know that name. He's the new head. He played there, and then he's the new head coach. Been there last couple of years. Great player. He was very similar player to you, Dylan. Okay. Um, number ten. He was in the teams where they beat us just before we kind of got got good. Um, but he's the new head coach, and he's a Liverpool boy. He was in the academy at oh, Liverpool. Wow. And um, his mom works at the club, so he's got all kinds of pictures with him and Klopp. And he was at the Champions League final in Madrid. He went over. He's a big Liverpool fan. So me, him and I talk about it all the time. Um, but um, who, what would I... Oh, I can't lose to Plattsburgh in the final. Jeez, can't do it. Liverpool will bounce back the next year. So. <laughs> <laughs> can't, be losing to, can't be losing to Chris in the final. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right, his, his next one. Here's, here's a couple. Um, would you rather start a healthy fit Wags at center attacking mid against Wheaton <laughs> or a small freshman year Dylan in goal? <laughs> I actually saw you in goal one practice. You weren't bad at all. You had good hands. I mean, uh, good hands. Yeah, that's where it ends. You had good hands. I don't, know about, <laughs> I don't know about the crosses into the box, but uh, oh, Wags in the middle. Remember we put him and Debo up front? Yes. We, yeah, yeah. He, Wags came in for me. There's a, there's a famous Did picture he? of me and Wags. Really? I remember Debo hit the free kick. I think it was going in the top. Was oh, man, it what a going in the top corner? I think the keeper pushed it over. Or it just yeah. missed. Yeah, I remember that day. I remember seeing the picture of Wags. Still, the picture of him in, in the game shirt. You know, not his goalie jersey. Oh yeah, so, it's, uh, it's hung up in his bedroom. Is that where it is? <laughs> is it? <laughs> I don't know. It could be. You know, that was great. I remember him and Debo, and they uh, when they came to me and they wanted they wanted um, uh, VPL to win the uh was win some award or break some record and they wanted him to play the games. I mean that was about as good an example of team spirit and yeah, going through together. Do you remember yeah. that? I can't remember yeah, what it was. I forgot about that, but I do remember okay. that now. I think it, it might have been one of the Suniac games and they yeah. you were we had a clinch but you were gonna give one of them a chance. Think, yeah. That's and, what they, it was. Uh, and they came in and they were like, no, we want VPL to break the record for shutouts or something along those lines, you know? Right. I can't remember what it was. And I but remember, they were going to get minutes on the field. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that was, oh, that was right. They, made, they blackmailed me. That's it. They blackmailed <laughs> me. Yeah. But um, I remember that. I remember putting the two of them on and I had to, I think it was Geneseo cause, or Buff State because I remember going over to the coach, Mark, and saying, look, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but are you okay with this? And he was like, yeah, no problem. Go ahead. Um, I think it was Mark that you asked beforehand. Yeah, because you know you don't want to, you don't want to, you never want to, uh, you know, in any way humiliate or or have the other team take something as a slap in the face. Right. So, yeah. my first year here as a head, assistant coach, Division One, I, I think we, we we lost to Georgetown like eight nil or something, and and then we lost to Howard five nil, and they were all hooting and hollering, and I never forgot that. So, you know, you just never want to be on the other side of it. I know how that feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Do we have an answer? Wags, CAM, or so Dylan Wags, goal? Uh, Wags could win a tackle, so I'm going to go with Wags in the middle. Of the oh, game. he's going to be so happy when he hears that. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not going to hear the end of it. All right. Our next one from Wags. Which one is this? Yeah, Chelsea. So if Chelsea were led by Byrne, yourself, where does he finish this year? This year now. Yeah, yeah. with all these new transfers and such. Ooh, yeah. And what, what uh, formation are you playing? And who's playing where? You know, I don't have a good enough feel of this Havertz kid. Do you? This Kai Havertz. I mean, they rave about him here. Yeah, I think it's. I think he'll need a little time, but I think yeah. his potential is through the roof. No, without a doubt. I mean, is he a bit of an? The one time I watched him, I'm like, he's a bit of an Ozil type of player. I feel like, 
Um, he does glide like that. I can see that. He's very, he's very yeah. like smooth in the way he plays, and it seems like it's maybe he's not working as hard. He's not working as yeah. hard, but I just yeah, he has that yeah. vibe about him. Brilliant on the ball. So I'm signing Vipel and getting rid of that Kepa because he's disaster. I'm putting Vipel <laughs> in the nets. Um, I like the young boy at right back. Um, I know, yeah. yeah, I like him. I was I was talking to somebody that watched him at Wigan on loan. He was playing in the middle of the park, and the guy mm-hmm. was like, "You yeah. gotta wait and watch this boy. He's unbelievable." Yeah, I like Christensen, but he lacks a bit of beef. But I like him because I like ball playing centre backs. Yeah, um, I think Rudiger, but something's happening there. It sounds like he may be on yeah, the way out. He might out. be gone. But that would be my pairing, Rudiger. Even though Bayern made them look very mediocre last year. Um, left back, you know, I don't mind the Chilwell. So they've signed him. So he gets fit. You play him at left back. Yeah. I'm playing Kanti as the number six. Okay. Um, I'm going to play him in there. Yep. Um, now, who's your two? I don't like the, uh, I don't like Jorginho. I don't like him. I know he's good on the ball, but I wouldn't have him. I don't like the the one from Real Madrid. He doesn't score enough goals for me as an attacking centimeter. Okay. Yeah, Fair he doesn't enough. score enough goals. Doesn't Fair score enough. goals. So I definitely play. I mean, I was disappointed Liverpool didn't get um, what was the Red Bull? What's the guy up front? The German Timo Werner. Um, Timo Werner. I really like him a lot. I would probably this year. I would probably play Giroud up high. I mean, I know he's controversial, but I actually don't mind him. I like definitely Pusilic wide. I like the Zayac they signed. I haven't seen yeah. a lot of him, but I like him a lot wide. Um, so maybe maybe those two wide and Werner maybe underneath or Pasilic underneath as a number ten. He's played there okay. for Dortmund. He okay. looked good. I'd have to figure that out. Maybe maybe they play Werner down the middle and leave out Giroud and play mm-hmm. you know Ziak, Pasilic, and Werner as your front three. Um, yeah, I like that. And then one more center mid. One more center mid. You know, I don't know this Barkley. I liked him when he was younger, but something stunting mm-hmm. in there. It's just not happening for him, is it? Yeah. Um, Mason Mount, yeah, I like, Loftus-Cheek. I like Ruben, like Ruben Loftus-Cheek, but until you can put together a season of games, which he can't seem to do. That's a good point. Mason Mount's okay. I don't mind him. Um, not sure he's at the level of, you know, the Man City boys that they have, De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure he's at that level. Um, I'd maybe give Barkley a run, see if he can, him and Luke, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, see if either of those two can do it. If not, play Giroud up front and, and, and drop Pusilic or somebody underneath. I, see. I like that. And where, and where are you finishing in the table with this team? Uh, that team, I'm finishing third. My coaching, my coaching experience is getting us third. Okay. I like that. Fair enough. And, and who's would, first? City? Uh, <laughs> City, City? City will make a great runner-up this year and the Reds will be having us. <laughs> so so is, that, is your prediction Liverpool is going gonna, is gonna to repeat? Yeah, I think the two signings are just going to... Oh, it's going to be close. I mean, you're going to mm. be neck and neck. You know, we've got to see who City signed. I don't feel like they finished in the market. I think yeah, there's another... Yeah, I mean, we still got, what, 10, 10 yeah. 12 days yeah. left. City's going to make um, another signing, 100%. We'll see if it's Kubali or they linked with a few centre-backs. Yeah. Um, let me ask you two boys. That centre-back at, 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 um, at, at Munich, he looks slow, but he never gets caught out. Oh, so yeah, so, is he really good? We've we've actually seen him. Uh, we saw Netherlands play Germany, and I think he's just very smart positionally, and he's yeah. massive. He is. He's good he's, on the ball too. He's very. He, he's well. he's good on the ball, um, and he's just so big that it's tough to get that him. it's yeah. tough. And then if you compare him with another center back that can run, 
you know, that's yeah. a, bit, a little Alibar. quicker. And then he's just, yeah. I mean, he's surrounded at Munich with top class players. Yeah, Alaba is a good mix to him. He's yeah, a great exactly. center back. It's a great pairing. And I mean, yeah. he's, he's just massive. He's so big. Yeah, of Davies who can run back. Exactly. And- oh, my gosh. My gosh. When you put him with oh. fast outside backs and another center back that can run, I think, you know, yeah. he's very effective. Mm. They were tremendous, weren't they, in the Champions League? Oh, yeah. Little two week tournament. Know. How were they? Munich. It was just something too, else. Just too good. I mean, just everyone wants to be like Bayern right now in Germany. Oh. From their pressing, from just, you know, their Ugh. their relentlessness. Like, every team strives to be that here. Yeah. No, there was something else. And that's good management because he's got Muller fired up and flying around. He's oh, got man, the what a rejuvenation in his career. I mean, uh, he's, he's kicked off the German national squad, and he's arguably and been Bayern's most important yeah. player, you know, yeah. one of them. And they add Sane, who I loved at City. I was so glad he left. You know, I love Sane. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, it's going to be exciting to watch them this year. Yeah, I actually, I actually have a feel for Liverpool in the Champions League. Maybe, maybe City for the league and Liverpool back in that Champions League again. I could see that. I mean, they're such yeah. they're big game players too, Liverpool. Yeah. I feel like, and they're, they're just up for it. and they're so dangerous on the counter that they can yeah. beat any um, team. So exactly, over two legs, they go on the road. They can catch you on the counter, and oh, then you, you kind of yeah. you had Thiago so playing these balls. Uh, Thiago playing uh, these balls from midfield into Mane uh, and 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 Salah burn. It's going to be unreal. Yeah, two good signings, you know what I mean? They did the yeah. right thing. They perfect fits for us. So, yeah, we've got some good are. young players coming up. So, yeah, it's good to see. I think Liverpool Champions League, Man City Premier League. How's that? Okay. I'll go with that. We like that. We're, that's, that's stamped, and we can always come back to this and see if, that's, if it works. In a few out. months. Yeah. <laughs> I'll we take have... the double if I'm wrong. I'm happy if I'm wrong and we win the double. But <laughs> <laughs> we, have, um, we have one more from Wags. This is a little – so our non-Oneonta listeners will – you know, maybe they, they won't understand this as much, but Wags wants to know your your all-time Tenzer Cup team. So if you have to put together a Tenzer Cup team from uh, players, you got to get a goalie, and then are we playing four or five in the Tenzer Cup? Usually we, Is it 5v5? Usually, I feel like we played six. Sixes or sevens, no? We'll go five. Seven, we'll go five seven or eight. It's usually seven or eight. Seven usually eight. that's what we played. Okay, right, so seven here we go. So should we do seven or yeah. eight? All right, let's do all right. Yeah, that's, you know, just as a side note, uh, because there's no season, uh, Sunyak are putting together an all-decade team. Uh, team, player of the decade. Obviously, D. Wills is in the mix for that. Um, wow, that would be crazy. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. That's all going to be coming. Um, okay, I will definitely. Yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, we have to nominate. I could nominate a lot of players, which I did, but I was going through the 10 years of the players Oh my gosh! You you got no the names that come up. Somebody like a Greg Silvestri, you know who? Oh yeah. Is only, but you know you're like, she's what a player he was. You know? I mean, so, those two years. I mean, he was he never not started a game. So no. So first name on the team sheet has to be Ian Tenza because I named the trophy after him. <laughs> we then switched, and we went with and we were almost renaming it the Passiatore because he became the same thing. His team won no matter who was on his team. I bet he so was. I, I bet he was trying so hard to get that too. You know what? He was the worst player out there until you know how we would play and then go to playoffs. Yeah. His team would be the fourth seed. And then they time. would just they would and they then would they would show up. They would win, beat the one seed and the two and the two. They win the semi and win the thing. So I'm going with those two. Oh my gosh. So let's say, what are we saying? 
Vipel and Goal. Okay, fair. Although he was a terrible trainer. Probably yeah. Gaffrey. Probably Gaffrey in the <laughs> Gaffrey would save everything. Uh, no, if are the we, money's down. Are we going, we going Gaff or Power Gaff? Oh, my gosh. Are we going Wags? <laughs> Actually, Wags wasn't bad in. Because we're thinking in the training tournament, right? Yeah, this yeah. is just, best just Tender Cup. Yeah, this is not Korea yeah. or anything. This is we'll best do a, a goalie and seven players. Goalie and seven players. Oh, you, you should have given me a bit of time. I could have come up with this. <laughs> He's uh, better on the spot. I'm, I'm getting rid of VPL because he was a terrible trainer. Him, Love it. Jared and, him, Jared and Hoff were the terrible trainers. I'm getting rid of all three of them. Jared, <laughs> K. Hoff, and VPL are out. I want guys who want to win that. Okay, so you've got uh, Tenza, Tenza, Passiatore. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Gaffrey. Okay, Gaffrey. Love that. I love to hear I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to throw Gaffrey a bone, and I'm going to throw Gaffrey in there because okay. he was a. He was a very good shot stopper. He dived into the post in those sessions. I'm throwing Gaffrey yeah. in there. I'm going to say Tenza at the back. Oh, gee, you'd have to throw names at me and see who the great ones. Uh, Whitman, Whitman up front, without a doubt. Okay. He's a, there's a fight nearly every 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 tens of cup. I mean, he's got to be the best finisher you've ever had, too. If yeah. maybe not the best offensive player you ever had. I mean, probably yeah, him or Eric, him. right? Yeah. Forty A, oh, forty A, forty A in those sessions was a oh, oh, he's a competitor, horrible, man. horrible guy, horrible. So let me let me think of a boxing ring. I put Fortier and Whitman would be my two strikers. Okay, Fortier. Fortier and Whitman up front. Mm-hmm. So at the back, I'm going to go with Tenza. Who else was a beast at the back in those? Who was always the first name? Uh, oh. yeah, it's tough to go back the past ten years. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, DS. Oh, he was a player. DS, Matteo, yeah. J. Ruvio, um, Luke. Ruvio, Luke Halberg. My gosh, those guys. Oh. And then I'm forgetting the names from the other Final Four team. Uh, yeah. Greg, wasn't a very tall guy? Yeah, tall guy uh, oh, Nick, oh, Nick, Nick Greg. Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray Fitzpatrick as well. Nick Ray, Greg and yeah. Ray Fitzpatrick. All right, I, remember I, t- spread the I took around. his jersey. Did you? That's right. And That's I was right. swimming in an XL the first That's year. Exactly. Oh, Tenza Cup. All right, I'm going to go with Nick Gregg and Tenza as my two defenders just because Love Nick it. Gregg was consistent, good in those games, mm-hmm. mentally strong, and then Tenza was just a beast. Love it. So then I'm going to go middle of midfield. I'm going to go two centimeters. Two centimeters. So I've got Passiatore for the animal, and then I need a bit of class who could – Score, create, dominate the midfield. Uh, so throw ooh. some out. We go Winnie, Hans. Yourself, Winnie. Mitch. Hans, Mitch. Mitch Kane. Sween Dog Millionaire. Sweeney. <laughs> the problem with Mitch is he needed tag, tags next to him or he couldn't function. So he's, <laughs> I've only got one spot. Mitch you go, J- you go, you go Riv. Oh, Riv. You could go JR. Oh, JR was a. Yeah. I mean, JR and Tenz are in the same team. And Eric, there's a fight. There's a fight amongst your own team every practice. <laughs> uh, you go Scooter. A little winger action. You could go... Scooter with a sweater. Yeah, Scooter Jake, with a sweater. Jake Sutherland. 
Jake junior year, Jake. Corey. Now I'm going with, I've got my two up front. Corey, oh, Corey. And I'm going with Fortier and Whitman up front. Okay. I'm going with Tenzer and Nick Gregg at the back. So we're just, we're lacking. Uh, I'm lacking one center mid. Yeah. I'm lacking one center mid. A bit of, I got D. Wills could play in there. D. Wills, Winnie, Mitch. Winnie Um Hans. Hans. Hans, Jeff Christian. D. Wills, you're two, D. Wills, you're a two-time All-American. I've got to get you in the team. I, th- I think you have to. This is, the big, this is the biggest honor out of anything I've, I've ever gotten. I've, I've, I've got to get you in my team. So I'm putting you in there next to Passiatore. Passiatore more defensive. You more creative. You've got 48 Whitman ahead of you. Oh, yeah, no. That team. Oh, man. I'm looking at this team, and I would we're, love we're, to play. We're missing one more player. Are we? So that's, that's seven total. You got... Nick Gregg, tens at the back, Gaffrey and Net. Then you got Dill and Pass in the middle. Eric and Whitman up top. So we're going maybe a three back. Three, three back. Three, two, 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 three, two. Okay. So if I look at the back, if I'm going with the three, I can play Nick Gregg centrally. Mm-hmm. I can play Tenza to the right. Oh, left footer. It's tough to leave Winnie or Greg Silvestri out, isn't it? Yeah. If you're picking a lefty. You know, you could play back there. You could play Riff back there as well. You could. Yeah. You could play Vinberg back there as the left-sided center back left. You know, you're on the call. I can't leave you out. I, I got I to gotta put you in, Sean. Gotta yeah. in. Ah, we both make it. <laughs> we made it, man. It's so a you're a left, call, but I'll take it. You're a left center back in the back three, but when we get it, you're coming forward because 48 is coming inside. So you're, going, you're doing both those jobs. Your performance in the final four, um, in those games, get you going off. Yeah, you're going off his last performances. You know, yeah, I'm going off his exactly. I'm going off final. You know, my final memories of you. You make the team. Make oh, the team. Man. What what a team that is. That is. I'm, I'm happy it, to. Oh man, happy to sneak send, in there. Oh man. Send the check only on the state men's soccer. Okay, send the check. Get you in. <laughs> that's some team in training, isn't it? That's You've got everything in there. You've that's got, got everything. That, that had to be a tough question, and we have to before we wrap it up. He didn't really want me to ask this, but I have to ask this. It's necessary. They're it's necessary. roommates now. They're roommates now, so you have to pick Matt Mateo or Jay Rubio. Oh, the better of <laughs> the two? Wow. They both listen to this, too. So wow. This is, wow. That's a wow. tough one. That's a tough one. one. Who's that right back? That's a tough That's one. That's very oh, tough. Isn't that hard? I've got to go with Matt Mateo because he was a four-year player. Oh, okay. I've got to go. And he converted as we recruited him as a right winger, didn't we? A right mm-hmm. midfielder. Hey, yeah. you guys started the whole, you know, right back and up thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget Matt Mateo as a freshman and then NCAAs at home when I, we could only dress 24. And I left him out and he was sitting outside my office with those white sunglasses on. And then he sat on the bench. He's going to hate me for this story. I think he had those whites. And I'll never forget his face, boy. Because I... I I never questioned whether he was a competitor, but uh, I saw it in him that day, that edge. You know, like he was always a nice, he always looked like a, a choir boy, didn't he, Matt? You know, like mm-hmm. nice looking, mm-hmm. pretty boy, you know, sweet looking. But he had that in him. He had that edge. And boy, the, he was reluctant to make the change. And I remember that spring when I'm like, okay, look, we got Rev. I have him ahead of you. You know, whoever the right back was, was graduating. Was it Rubio? Did Rubio come before him? Jay, I think Rubio was before him, and I'm like, no, they Rubio came at the great. same. Um, no, Jay came at the same time as oh, as Riv. No, Rubio and Rubio and and uh, 
Yeah, Jay, uh, Jay Rubio and Luke came in with our class. Right, but they so they were done when you guys were going into your junior year. Correct, correct. They so finished. Rubio played two years at right back. Rubio's and then Mateo played was, two years at right back. Right, right. So Mateo basically was coming off the bench for two years, and that spring when Rubio was graduating, I said to Mateo in training, "Look, here's your options. What do you want to do?" And he's like, "All right, I'll give it a go." And so that spring he played right back, and then the season he just. Just went to another level, didn't Lights he? Lights out. Lights out. Damn. I mean, it was everything. And even now, we talk about it. Jeff's like, we've got, you've got to find a Mateo for right back. So there you go. We don't say you've got to find a Rubio for right back, even though you've got you to find a Mateo. Right. 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 Fair enough. You need to find a Mateo. So, and he was a four-year player. Rubio turned me down as a freshman. He went to Binghamton as a bad. I've never forgiven him so for this that. So this is the karma. It's coming yeah. back to Jay. Karma's coming back. Rubio, you're on the bench. You're Jason, on the bench. On the bench. All, All right. right. Well, we'll see if he can get some playing time. Sounds good. Amazing. Love that. Burn. Wow. What a great conversation, a great man. Conversation. We could go yeah. for hours, but uh, I could carry I on. Yeah. I know you got some recruiting to do. So um, hopefully you find the next Mateo, the next Vimberg, and the next Dylan. So to be honest, though, to, to be honest, the boys got a noise violation. So they're sitting outside my office waiting to come in. <laughs> Something's oh. never changed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm ending this and going on to that. What Amazing. a job, oh, eh? Brilliant. Well, well tell them. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to tell any, them. Any, good any luck. advice for them? <laughs> uh, try not to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Cut, cut the music off at like 2 o'clock and you should be all right. <laughs> you got to be better. Uh, all good. God's been brilliant. I loved it. Loved it. Yeah, such a good time. Burn, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. And um, thanks again, man. All right, boys. All the best to you. All the good best. Talk soon. Cheers, lads. Have a short life. That is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way.